Blog Talk Radio. Uh, what do we got? What do we got going on? 
Well, we have uh, we have the great actor Perry Kale. Uh, he said that uh, he's gonna uh, he's gonna be on with us from. Uh, I'll let everybody know he's gonna be on with us from nine fifteen to ten fifteen, and then we have Brandon Savage. Oh yeah, dig it, brother! Uh, he played Randy Savage in the uh, Dark Side of the Ring series about uh, Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. So we're gonna talk to him about that, and. Uh, he will actually be the second uh, interviewee that's been on that series. As you guys remember, we had uh, 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 David Benoit uh, as a guest on our show um, several, uh, well, it's about, what, about a year ago now or so, maybe two years ago. Um, and, of course, you know, they did the story about Chris Benoit. Now, I just want to say something here real quick uh, about yeah, Chris yeah. Benoit. Yes, it was devastating what happened, and yes, it was a travesty of what happened. But you know something? Yeah. Uh, the fact that uh, all his ring work, uh, all his his whole career has been basically erased and blackballed and shelved by the WWE. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can understand why. But, you know, it's taking away from generations, uh, newer generations of wrestling fans that won't get to see. I mean, Chris Benoit was an awesome wrestler. And if you ever had a chance to see him live, I don't know if either of you guys have, but I did. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a shame that people are not going to get to see any of his work anymore. You know, it's terrible, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you if you go on the network, WWE Network, um, you know, and you watch from, you know, you watch the the WWE, uh, excuse me, the WCW, uh, you know, Nitro shows. He's on there, and obviously when when he debuts in WWE, you know, you can see him on there. Uh, they're not really doing any like particular specials on him, but you can still watch his body of work if you have the network. Right. Well, which you know, I thought was cool. I thought maybe they were going to try to like, you know, edit him out of there or something, but but they didn't. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, you know, it's it's just it's just sad. And, you know, the the other thing is, uh, as long as we're talking about this real quick, waiting for our guest. Sure. Uh, but uh, you know, it's like uh, Owen Hart. And his his wife not letting uh, the WWE put him in the Hall of Fame, you know. I guess I can understand it after seeing the Dark Side of the Ring special. I can understand it why, but um, you know, it's it's sad that uh, they're they're taking away uh, his memory as well. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hear you, but so so who do you think had the better early nineties? Um, the better or the best uh, early '90s, uh, you know, goofy kind of, you know, uh, uh, catchphrase promos. Was it? Was it? You know, you know something, brother. You know, Hulk Hogan and the whole thing. Was it the? You know, oh yeah, the cream of the crop, Randy Savage, or was it the Ultimate Warrior? I mean, which one of those three had the goofy, deep voice, breathy kind of promos? You think? It was the ultimate warrior. And, uh, it, I mean, if you listen to his promo from yeah. uh, just before WrestleMania six, when he says, as the yeah. pilot have made the ultimate sacrifice to take us to WrestleMania Hulk 
Hogan. I mean, well, he you know, just. <laughs> you know what's crazy is back then they weren't um they weren't scripted a lot like they are now. So you know you get Ultimate Warrior, who's a weird dude to begin with, and you know he's 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 a strange guy to begin with. And, and and you you just let him talk off the cusp. I mean, you're gonna get some some interesting, you know, some interesting, uh, uh, you know, sound bites out of him. Well, you know, I'll tell you, they, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, I listened to uh, Eric Bischoff's podcast, eighty three weeks, uh, and you know, he talked about you know when the, he had the Ultimate Warrior come in, and uh, you know, he said it's like, oh my god. I, I can never let him have a mic by himself ever again in my company, you know. Uh, and you know, here's the thing. You know, we we love Jim Ross too and everything. Oh my God, I love when, Jim Ross. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, when um, when uh, they were doing the show about the Ultimate Warrior, I mean, Jim Ross really buried the Ultimate Warrior. And uh, you know, the sad thing is, and you know. Um, Eric Bischoff didn't do that, you know, because Eric Bischoff had the philosophy. It's like, I got to be careful what I say about someone that can't is not alive to defend themselves, you know. That's what, and he was very careful about what he said. But Jim Ross yep. let it fly, and I thought I thought it was kind of, you know, well, um, I mean, there's that, but there's there's you know, Jim Ross. I, I loved his his on screen. You know, uh, uh, commentating and his his ability to tell a story on the microphone. Uh, but his behind the scenes—I I mean, I'll be the first to say I'm a huge Jim Ross fan. But his his behind the scenes work as the director of talent relations um, was uh, was was he he was he was kind of a dick, you know. And he he buried a lot of people. I mean, you you look at what happened with uh, the career of our first ever interview. Uh, Buff Bagwell, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. Jim Ross, you know, had a big, had a big role in that as well. And so I, I just, uh, there's been a lot of guys who have either taken off because of his endorsement or, 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 been, or been buried because he, he hasn't, you know, liked them, but what? Or I guess yeah, we have a three one Oh on. All right. If you want to put them on, I'll introduce them. Uh, Sure. I will put them through. Here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, joining us straight from the great city of Hollywood, California, the greatest actor in Hollywood today. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you a man who needs no introduction, but I got to introduce him anyway. He is Terrence Hale. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. How's it going, Perry? I'm uh, doing really good. It's uh, it's exciting to be on the show. All right. Uh, you saw that uh, script I sent you. We can do that real quick. Then we'll uh, then we'll have some fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, you want me to just say it right now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Hey, you're you're listening to the Attitude Era live with host the Icon Big Swing and Granny Hoster, and I'm Perry Chiu. Awesome, and uh, what I will do is I'll edit that so uh, your name comes first. Exactly. Mine comes second, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll edit the other guys out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
So uh, here's what here's what we're gonna do, Perry. Uh, we have uh, Perry Tao here. He's not kidding, though. We got uh, we uh, we we got uh, we have uh, well, I, I guess we have about uh, an hour here with you. If you can stand us for that long, we'll have some fun. Absolutely. Um, and uh, if you want to give us a quick little background about yourself, then I'll ask you some questions. Then big swing, then granny, and then we'll come back to me and I'll ask you the tougher questions. Okay. Um. Uh, I mean, basically, you guys know what I do. I I make movies. Um, I've done horror. I've done action, martial arts. Um, I've even done a lucha libre wrestling scene for Hellboy, uh, the the latest Hellboy that came out. Um, given that you guys are, you know, wrestling fans, <laughs> and um, so that's just kind of my background. I'm just. Uh, you know, simple, humble filmmaker living in the mountains and uh, just doing my thing and being happy and loving at what I do. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, you're you're from Singapore, correct? Yes, sir, I yeah. am. Uh, this tidy little island. Um, it's funny, it's a, it's, I always say it's a democracy country, a Christian country surrounded by Muslim countries. And we're always on edge. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, you may think I'm just saying this because you're on, but you are the best thing to ever come on to Singapore, correct? Uh, I, I mean, I mean Singapore has many great stuff. I mean, you know, human-wise, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wish I could say that, but um, no, I, I, you know, just my own guy, just doing my own thing. <laughs> Well, well, you, well, you, you know, know what it is. I already did. The reason why I cannot say much is this: is because I did want to start my filmmaking career in Singapore. You know, but oh, um, okay. what happened was that they told me that I, um, you know, I was not qualified for it. So I actually started my career. I moved to Tucson, Arizona. And that's where I started my career. So, in all respects, I think I really should consider myself an Arizona filmmaker. Um, so now, how long have you been in the industry, the filming industry? Um, twenty-two years. And uh, now, is it was that always been what you want to do for a career? Did you have? Uh, did you have like uh, like uh, want to be like a baseball player or a sports star, or has film always been your goal? Uh, no, actually, I wanted to be. I mean, my first goal was uh, to be a fashion designer, and you know that's still kind of cool because whatever I knew back then, studying fashion design, I was still using as a. Um, I, you know, I, I I'm actually very picky about my costumes in my movies. So <laughs> um, that's kind of what I always wanted to do. And somebody just once told me that, hey, if you want all your bizarre costumes and your bizarre ideas, you should hang out with the film students in Pima Community College, and that's what I did. But everybody's doing dramas and comedies, and somebody suggested, why don't you make your own film? You know, do your own thing. Make your own film so you can show your costumes. And that's what I did. And then, next thing I know, somebody said that I'm a director, and here I am. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what. We're going we're gonna, to uh, 
Um, I, and I will admit, I am a big fan of yours. I, I do celebrate your entire catalog. And, uh, and I, I know with Big Swing and Granny Harks are saying, well, he's just saying it. And I was like, no, I'll, I'll go over all the movies I own in a second. Uh, but what I want to do here is uh, we'll kind of do a little round table. Uh, we'll get everybody involved because we do have, uh, we have you for another uh, 54 uh, minutes. Uh, so, uh, Granny, what do you have for our guest, Perry Tail? Go ahead. Well, I am Granny Hulkster, and I do like to watch movies. I like to watch all sorts of movies, action movies, movies with animals, love dogs, love cats. I love animals, you know. I, I love romance, you know, mystery. I, I like a good suspense movie sometimes. What was your most favorite movie that you ever directed? Uh... I think my favorite movie that, I mean, I, I always say it's my last film, you know, because it's it's the one, each film I make, I'm given a little bit more liability uh, li- too, but I'm always given a little bit more artistic control, and that has always been amazing for me. So um, I, I feel like as my, I'm, I'm not one of those filmmakers that like just came in with a great film and just like, Oh, check it out! Look at me! I'm in the Hollywood scene, but it's one of those things I slowly build up. Like over time, I'm just getting a little bit more control. I'm just learning a little bit more things, and so each film I make, I am able to call a little bit more shots as a director. And so the ascent was a really fun thing for me to do. But I think the film I just finished shooting, which nobody has seen yet, I just actually finished a cut today. Um, it's my favorite, and it's a martial arts motorcycle movie. Can you tell us? Oh, that's bit? awesome. Uh, yeah, I can tell you a little bit about it. Uh, you know, it's a, um, it's a martial arts movie about a guy who has a vendetta on a motorcycle gang because they killed his brother, and he goes on an all-out rampage in the underground scene that's filled with triads and um, motorcycle gangs and all kinds of weird underground shit, you know? And so yeah. I'm trying to, you know, edge it more towards the whole neo-noir cyberpunk kind of thing. Uh, that has always been my visual choice. You know, something dark, something gritty, something dirty. And, uh, I mean, it was fun. We had a great cast. My, you know, my producer got, like, people like Jeff A. He, Lomo, Man, uh, DMX, um, and, and we had so many great people on it. And, you know, uh, my favorite thing was my reunion with Biling, who was in my first film, and we reunited again to make this film, and it was super fun. <laughs> uh, Perry Tails, our guest here. We got uh, fifty-three minutes here left li- li- with Perry. Uh, I uh, I know that Big Swing he's uh, doing Monday Night Football, so he he'll chime in uh, when he can. But uh, sure, I want to kind of well, I'm 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 here. I'm 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 here for the time being, though. If, if you, but I mean. You can ask something else, and I can jump in. It's up to you. Okay. Well, go ahead. Ask ask your question. Uh, well, uh, Perry, this is Big Swing. Go ahead. Yeah. See, I, I'm Hi, I'm a big swing. hello. Uh, I, I'm a big uh, movie person myself, and you know, I, I being a journalism major, um, I I had to write movie reviews as part of my you know part of my major. So I I had to watch a lot of movies, and I still watch a lot of movies. Um, and you know, for me, I guess. My main my main question would be your inspiration to start doing this. Like, ha- have you 
you know, being in that area, being from that area of the world, was it a lot of, of, of Asian-type um, movies that inspired you? Were there any f- American film directors that inspired you? I mean, what, what kind of movies did you grow up watching that may have inspired you to do this? Like, kind of take us a little bit through your journey as to how you decided you wanted to be a director. Okay, it's really funny because, it, it, in a sense, you're right. You know, coming from Asia, we have a lot of, you know, your martial arts movies, um, uh, we, we we don't have that many horror movies, um, uh, but well, we did have a lot of like you know action movies and all that kind of stuff. But I grew up in a very strict Christian family, and actually I was not allowed to have a TV. In fact, you know I've I think I've only been to a movie theater once, and that was like Top Gun when I was like super super young. And my father thought, like, I think it's okay, you know, kind of thing. Wait, wait, uh, hold on a second. We, you, you didn't have, wait, wait a second. You didn't have a TV? What kind of parents no. did you have? How did you survive with no TV? I I survived literally by throwing a tennis ball on the wall of my house and entertaining oh. myself in my head. And no. so, you know, um, and the funny thing is that, so I never watched one, and I was. Well, it, 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 isn't Singapore a very strict country anyway about a lot of things? Like, like there's probably some there, there's probably some things that you would have the freedom to do, uh, writing and directing wise here that you might not have had the freedom to do over there though. Well, ironically, for Singapore to say that I'm, you know, and. The MDA, the Media Development Authority of Singapore, were very quick to mention I was like, you know, the first Singapore filmmaker to make a Hollywood film. And I'm like, yeah, but to this date, you've banned all my films. <laughs> you know, it's the funniest thing. But um, anyway, uh, above the government, um, I didn't watch my first movie until I was in boarding school in Australia, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I was in Scotch College, and we were doing the whole boarding school thing. We all dressed up like Harry Potter, you know, kind of vest, kind of shit. And and my my bunkmates, uh, they realized I haven't seen the movie, and they were like, you know, we were 14 years old then, and they were like, what do you mean you've never seen the movie? And I was like, well, I mean, I've seen movies, but I've never been to a you know, movie theater. I'd love to go to a movie theater like get the real experience. And so they were like, dude, we should sneak out tonight. And that was a really, I mean, at 14 years old, there are naughty things to do. And this was like the epitome of naughty. And so we had to plan a whole (laughs) thing where, you know, okay, the boarding house master comes up and checks up on us at eight o'clock. And then he goes watch David Letterman in his, you know, room and all that. And he doesn't check on us at 12. So we got this time to run down to the train station, which was Hawthorne in Melbourne, Australia, and we had to get to Flinders Street in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and we had to run to cinema. I remember the freaking movie theater because it was my first, you know, and we ran up there and we were like, okay, we can only watch a movie until then, and we have to catch the last train back, so... We didn't have much choices. We only can have, like, in this 20-minute span, a movie starting now. And so we were all looking up, and everybody was like, what movie should we oh, – there's no movie. There's only, like, this one. What, what's this movie? And we are looking at it and go, I think that's a documentary. And I was like, what's a documentary? And they were like, well, you know, they make things about people and animals. And I was like, ah, oh, I guess that's why they call it The Crow. And they're like, all right, let's go watch The Crow. 
screw it. It's your first experience. And so we sat down. And when Devil's Night came on screen, I was like, is this a documentary? <laughs> and everybody was like, no. What the hell is this movie? I'm like, I don't know. And so to see The Crow for the first time on the big screen, I mean, I walked back like shaken in a good way, you know, and I was mm. like, oh, God, like this whole I was exposed to not just Goss, but Nine Inch Nails, Stone Temple Pilots and all that. It like all in one night just kind of punched me in the face. Hmm. And funny as it seems, Spiling was in it, <laughs> that she's now an actress in two of my films. So um, what's your favorite but, then genre to direct, make yourself? Um, I don't think it's a favorite genre. I think it's kind of like what I'm inspired to do at that time, you know, like, uh, oh, okay. um, All right. yeah. So there's no, like, I don't identify myself as like a horror director or a action or a thriller or a comedy director. I like to identify myself as like, I'm just Perry. If I have a good story to tell and I think it's entertaining for people like shit. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. Perry Tao's our guest here. We got uh, we got about uh, 46 minutes here with Perry. Now, you know, the interesting thing is uh, I'm starting to realize that uh, one of my uh, horror-directing heroes, you, uh, had a rebellious side, uh, sneaking into movie theaters and stealing train tickets. And, uh... <laughs> I don't have money, man. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man. You know, uh, you know, uh, I'll admit now, uh, you know, um, when I was uh, when I was a kid, uh, you know, uh, we used to sneak into the uh, the exit uh, door of the movie theater uh, to get in. And, you know, they uh, never really uh, checked your tickets. So we would just like go watch one and then go watch another and then go watch another. Uh, so you and I kind of are, are cut from the same rebellious uh a class, oh, yeah. I would guess. You know what's so, funny uh, is that Perry um, Taylor's our guest. We got forty-five minutes, so I'm going to ask a few questions, and then, uh, sure. well, if the other guys want to chime in, we'll ask a few more. Um, now, being a film director, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I'll admit I am I'm kind of a wannabe star, and uh, I'm going to put this out there because our fans knew it was coming. Uh, you obviously have uh, a few other movies that uh, you're going to be directing in your career here. Uh, I'm going to put this out there. If you need an extra uh, in your movie, I would love to volunteer to be an extra. Uh, and Which to be town an extra are you in? in your movie. What's that? Which town are you in? I am in Fargo, North Dakota. Well, and, then uh, you better make it closer to my town. Make it closer to my town. <laughs> <laughs> And I was going uh, to say, to get a part in your movie, get a part in your I mean, movie. I'll, I'll, uh, I mean I'll, I'll I'll come carry uh, your bag, I'll, I'll get bags, your cappuccino, I'll get your food, I'll do all that stuff for you. I love it. I think I a lot it. of people, I when they, um, you know, when you uh, think of, uh, you know, about film directors and all that kind of stuff, it's like, they, what would the word be? They, you know, they think we have some sort of glamorous life to fill with all kinds of people. But for me, I'm like, you know, I just love making movies, man. So, like, if people are like, hey, can I jump in and 
be an interesting personality in your movie. I'm all about let's sit down, let's have a barbecue, let's sit down over a glass of, you know, vodka for me, maybe it's beer for you. But just to like, just sit down like, hey, can we just do something great with this movie and have fun doing it? I think the most important thing is we have fun doing it. Um, too many people take movie making too seriously. They look at it as like a life or death situation. And I admit there are some points where I myself look at it like that because, you know, I am responsible for a lot of money and I have to finish the film. Uh, but beyond that, I think the core value in it is we don't forget that ultimately deep down inside, every filmmaker, you know, everybody that wants to be in a film are just like kids. And we we want to go and movies are a sandbox for us. And if we can create something special for the audience, let's let's sit down. Let's, you know, let's have a drink and talk. I would love that. That's like my jam. That's why I live in the mountains. <laughs> And I'll tell you what. I'll even buy the drinks. I'll I'll, I'll bring you um, a, a bottle. You don't of, need to. I'll bring My you a bottle of North Dakota vodka. <laughs> <laughs> bring meat. I love meat. <laughs> I I will and I will bring you the 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 greatest bottle of vodka here in North Dakota that we got. No, no. Actually, I'm gonna stop you right there, and I'm gonna say that because I drink uh, my vodka with Diet Coke, and it's actually known as a skinny bitch. And the vo- the Diet Coke kills the taste of the vodka anyway. So oh, okay. Like, okay. Good vodka or bad vodka. It's like, it, it's the es- aspartame. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. In the Diet Coke, um, it's just too strong um, to really appreciate the taste of vodka. So for me, it's like, bring the biggest one. We have some meat here. Let's cook out and... You know, I love talking about movies. That's my passion, you know. There's um, nothing greater than this. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of go over um, uh, some of your movies uh, that you've done that I sure. own. And then we're gonna, uh, I'm going to talk to you, um, ask you a few other questions about some other things going on here. Uh, but um, some of uh, my favorite movies um, – that you have directed or been involved in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my my favorites are Ghost Hunter. Really? Okay. The, cur- the, the Curse of Sleeping Beauty. I do enjoy The Curse of Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Dracula, The Dark Prince. Uh-huh. And uh, Witchville. Which is fine. And... Uh, Probably the probably the best one of all that I wish I had a part in was Take Me Somewhere Nice. Wait, how did you see that? That was uh, my favorite film. Well, uh, I that one was well, a love letter you know, to my son. Well, you know the thing is, it's it's amazing what you can do when you when you search the uh, when you search the internet and YouTube and stuff like that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, wow. Okay, I'm impressed. All right, but uh, and like I say, I you know I I know you're 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 sick of me saying this. I I talked about it earlier, but I am a fan, and I, I and like I say, I do anything to be able to be in a film that you do, uh, even if I'm the guy that gets killed at the beginning, I'll, I'll take it. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of our, our fans <laughs> would love to see that. 
Um, so it has to be a horror movie? <laughs> no. Well, no. Uh, it could be anything. I mean, you know, or it could be like the guy, or it could be like uh, a cast member from Fast and the Furious. You kill him in one movie, he comes back to the next film, you know? Uh, maybe it turns to a zombie movie? Okay. <laughs> That would be uh, great. But yeah, no, um, like you know, like I already said, I, you know, I love. Um, in my last movie, I literally have called friends up and go, "Hey, um, you want to come up and play a little bit?" Because it's, I think the people who really know me, um, people that don't know me, they see me as a guy who has like a whole bunch of crew, with cameras, DPs, and you know, the 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 whole shebang, as you call it. But I think the people who know me know me as that guy who the minute he has a camera on his hand, he just wants to play. And, and you know, and, and those are the people I call. Those are the people I'm like, you know, let's, let's just play. I got a great camera. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what, you know, stories we can explore. And um, that, 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 that's always been my fun thing. So, yeah, I'm totally gay. You know, it's something interesting. Um, uh, you know, Big Swing, uh, he's uh, out in New York. And uh, the uh, you have a special connection with New York uh, because your film, Liberate Me, won the International Film Festival in New York, did it not? Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that, and, that was uh, a really interesting time in my life. <laughs> um, and we, um, we had some crazy experience going on, but actually – Take me somewhere nice that you mentioned. Um, New York um, was the first city that played that film, and it Queens, New York, by the way, and it really has a special place in my heart. And uh, so. you know, the, here, here's the other thing. Not you know, this is a wrestling show, and I, I, we're, we're going to uh, we're going to talk to you about some of your Lucha Libre stuff because uh, we have uh, Perry Taylor's our guest. We got 38 minutes here left with Perry. Uh, I'm going to talk about a few more films, and then uh, I want to get to your uh, your Lucha Libra stuff, and then we'll talk about a few other things. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, see, the thing is, if you would have had me in one of your movies, the entire state of North Dakota would talk about it, uh, and you'd get media co- – I mean, Josh DeLome is from uh, North Dakota here, and uh, every time he comes back, it's a media event. And just think, if you would put the icon in your film, it'd be crazy. All seven hundred people would be would be you know in it. We have more than seven hundred people here, buddy. <laughs> but anyway, you do. Um, <laughs> uh, that is pretty there, hilarious. Yeah, there there is one other. Uh, right, there is dude. one other cool. Yeah, there is one other cool film uh, that you did. Uh, uh, the Gen Generation. Uh, yeah, I, I love Faye Dunaway. I love Faye Dunaway, and uh, you know what's interesting about that? Uh, uh, a trivia question for you. You know what's interesting about that DVD? What? It was released on my birthday, January twenty seventh, two thousand nine. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. And that's as a matter of cool. fact, I got it. As a matter of fact, I bought it on my birthday because that's when it came out. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Thank you. You know, if I can dig into my storage unit, I'm pretty sure I have a copy of it. It's a tin can version, the Germany tin can version, and 
you're more than happy to have it, man. Like I'm, yeah, it's it's great. Well, it's, uh, uh, you know, we 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 kind of talked about this earlier. Do you think maybe uh, you might be willing to send that autographed copy of that? I could, yeah. I just one of the things about me is that all my stuff is like stuffed in storage units. Like, you know, it's almost like once I finish making a film, I kind of like put it back into my, you know, room of memories, my closet of memories, my storage of memories. And so I'm just going to have to dig it out. That's all it is. All it is. <laughs> so so are, are you saying then you don't, uh, you don't have like a man cave with all your movie posters and all your DVDs and autographs, all your stars? You don't do that? Nope. Wow. See, no, now, I don't. That just, that just proves you're a normal, great guy. You you don't have that Hollywood attitude. I'm a barbecue, um, you know, um, alcohol-drinking guy. I, I, I love sitting on my porch and with the lights on and just hanging out with my close friends and, you know, just – you know, it's just that human relationship. I think, and and a lot of times I write movies about people I know. You know, my, like my last movie, you know, Natalie's based off my best friend. You know, I have muses of, you know, Take Me Somewhere Nice was based on my son. Um, I feel like if I don't have those human experiences, it doesn't make me the director I am today. So I kind of avoid those parties in Hollywood, like, when me and my friends went out for like premieres and all that, we usually end up like somewhere else. We're like, okay, we'll do our red carpet thing, fine, whatever. But then I'll usually like run off and like, hey, dude, there's something amazing in the city that we're in. Let's go check it out. Like, you know, I love experiences. I love to go out and see new things and experience new things. And now, so uh, me, do you ever, uh, yeah, do you ever allow someone to give you ideas for movies? All the time, but I just well good. I, I, I have a few. I, I always have one rule. I always have one rule. Okay. Sure. Anybody is allowed to talk to me about movies to allow me to say no. Okay. All right. Well, see, here's the deal. I I uh, I have a few good ideas for some movies, and you know, if you say no, I mean, I'm used to I'm I'm used to rejection. I did try to get a date for prom. <laughs> Let's not do this on air. How about it? <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, let's let's get back. We we have Perry Taylor's our guest here. Uh, now uh, I'm going to kind of touch on this a little bit, and then uh, we're not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, but I want I do want to get to your Lucha Libre stuff. But uh, you know the whole COVID thing. How has that affected uh, what you're doing in Singapore there, uh, or uh, in your um, area there? Oh, in my area, I'm I'm up in the San Bernardino Mountains, so. I always think that well, COVID's obviously a terrible situation for everybody right now. You know, it's like we're 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 all stuck in our places. We're quarantining. Like when I was making my film, my last film that I just finished shooting, you know, getting tested every day and all that. I mean, that takes a toll on you. Yeah. Well, how is but it back home? How is how is Singapore dealing with? Like, have you? I, I don't know if you oh, still Singapore. talk to people there, but are, are they dealing with yeah. all this too? Okay. Singapore was freaking okay. out the last the last week that we had five deaths in a country of five million people. And oh wow! Okay. I'm sitting here in America and we're having a thousand deaths in a day, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, and it's a yeah. terrible situation. I think I I feel like it's uh, 
it's a horrible situation. But when people talk to me about that, I kind of like to tell them, like, look at it as an opportunity. You know, for me, during COVID time, it was a opportunity for me to explore scripts, ideas, movies, stories that I might not have, you know, um, explored when COVID wasn't here because of all the noise of Hollywood saying you have to make this, you, we want you to make this, we want you to write this and write that, and you need to go to this party, blah, blah, blah. It's like, actually, COVID can be a good thing. I mean, it's not a good thing in, in terms of, like, you know, the fatalities that we're getting. But if we can use this and see it as an opportunity for us to explore our um, our, our our love, our passions, our um, you know uh, what what we've been dreaming about. Like maybe this is our time. Maybe this is the way the universe is saying that you guys have fallen so far behind. Let's take a step back. Let's put you guys in a little house on your own, and perhaps. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can discover something about yourself that you might not have if there wasn't a quarantine. And I've discovered stories. I've discovered so many things. Um, you just got to make the best of it. And you can either sit down and say, oh, this is terrible. Um, my, my, my world is crumbling apart. Or you can pursue something that your heart says, Jesus, I should have done this years ago. And maybe this was the perfect time to do this. Maybe this was my wake-up call. And that's kind of how I see COVID. <laughs> that's awesome. We have uh, Perry Taylor's our guest here. We got about a half hour with Perry. Um, so now you, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, you uh, you did a lot of Lucha Libre stuff. Uh, kind of tell us about that. Um, I didn't say a lot. Um, I just I did one Lucha Libre stuff. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, now, did you uh, have to do a lot of training for that, or uh, were you already skilled in it? Kind of take us through that. Uh, well, the Lucha Libre stuff I did was uh, – it, it, it was very funny because I don't know if you guys have seen the last Hellboy movie, and there was a Lucha Libre fight scene, and yep. the producers called me up. I was in Bulgaria at the time that – you know, David Harbour and Mila Jovovic were shooting, and uh, they were like, you know, Perry knows a lot about VR. Can Let's do one Lucha Libre scene in virtual reality, you know, our scene in the movie. So for me, it was very much the whole, like, okay, let's – are you guys actual Lucha Libre wrestlers, or are you guys, like, you know, actors where every punch has to be cut and you have to do something? Because in VR, you have to do it all at once. Um, uh, but Lucha Libre is, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting sport because like, you know, in wrestling, it's like, it's the personality that comes with the fighting. And I think that that really helped me to where I'm at today because I think that anybody can throw a punch. I, I think anybody can, you know, do a kick and all that, but to inject the personality while you're fighting, I think that that's a talent. And so when I did the Hellboy sequence, the Lucha Libre in VR, uh, that was uh, super exciting. It was just um, amazing to see, you know, people in, in um, I can I say the element? 
um, you know, doing what they love. And, you know, Lucha Libre itself has opened up so many avenues. I mean, let's talk about the, you know, wrestling uh, sure. avenue itself. It's like, you know, wrestling itself is an entertaining sport, but I think Lucha Libre, since the 1940s, has pushed new boundaries. You know, just having, you know, like, um, what, I I don't even remember that, uh, that name, um, uh, Exotico, Lucha Libre, you know, because it's like, this happened in the 1940s, I mean, Mexicans have done things that I think Americans should see more, like, the, the Mexicans had the Exoticos and have dragged um, Lucha Libres. And I'm like, this is so entertaining. Like, what do we have? We have midgets, you know? <laughs> uh, I love midgets, don't get me wrong. Um, and that's a plain flying. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I think in, in entertainment, we have to push boundaries. And if we don't push boundaries, um, I think we are um, doing ourselves a disservice, if you could say. Because that's why we're here. You know, we're, we put the content in people's eyes. And we have to um, show that we are able to not only put the content in people's eyes, but we can change it. You know, wrestling itself, like if it wasn't for wrestling, nobody would be seeing women in strong, you know, badass roles. These are things we don't think about, but they are there for a purpose. They're there for a reason, and I, I, I absolutely love every minute of it. But there should be more. Um, what would the word be? Um, not gratitude, but there should be more. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of it right now. Prop um, giving. I'm with you. How's that? <laughs> Uh, perfect. Terry Payo's, uh, uh sorry. Uh, Perry Cahill is our guest here. We got uh, 25 minutes here with Perry. So now, kind of tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the film that uh, you just completed, and uh, do you have a release date set for it yet? Um, we don't have a release date yet. We just finished the first cut right now, uh, and like I said, it's a martial arts mo- motorcycle movie, and um. I think I'm in a really, really amazing position where the producer believes in me and he still believes in me and he's kind of like saying, Perry, you tell us when when it's ready. Um, so I I just finished editing the movie myself and it, you know, I'm trying to look at it as, okay, what works or what doesn't work? Um, how can I make this better? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but I'm definitely knowing that early 2021 it'll be So I'm I'm kind of curious now when you're when you're doing the directing and editing. I mean you're out there filming the movie every day, and then you have the dailies the next day, and then you're editing it. And then uh, it, are you? Uh, do you feel that uh, you know by the time that the release comes, you're like, geez, I've already seen this thing. 50 times. I mean, do I really want to sit through and watch it again? Do you ever have that feeling? Um, I have that feeling even before the movie's finished. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're right. By the time the premiere comes, it's like I don't know how I can sit there with the crowd and watch that movie again. I I, I, I couldn't, you know. Um, in fact, I choose my, you know, like the premiere theater. The last one we did was at North Hall for the Ascent. I think I, I believe it was no, it was in Fairfax in Los Angeles. And the only reason I said yes was because I knew where the nearest bar was. And when people walked in to watch the movie, I did my courtesy hellos, but I'm at the bar drinking. <laughs> so, well, do you feel you find yourself watching the film up on the screen that you're you're more uh, up to um, uh, watching and listening to the crowd reaction to certain scenes rather than just watching the film? Um. Well, here, the the two sides of the story. One side is some, you know, a lot of directors, you know, they would go in there and they would say, um, "I want to hear the crowd's reaction. I want to learn from it." You know, kudos to them. I think that um, that's a great thing to do. But I think I'm from the school of, it's done, it's finished. I know the mistakes I made already, and it's like, what's the point? Like. Even if the crowd says, I hate this shit that I'm seeing, I can't change it. Now, if I had the opportunity to change it, I will be in there in a heartbeat. But the thing is, it's like when you, the difference between, let's say, a studio movie, okay? Like, um, you know, you, you, if we talk about horror, you talk about a big studio movies like, say, The Conjuring or Insidious. These guys have test audiences. They, they are able to go in there with test audience and they're able to judge people's reactions and re-edit the film to make it the best it could be. But for independent filmmakers like me, we don't have the ability. We make our films, we put it out there, and that's it. You know, We don't have that kind of financing and budget to change it. So to me, it's like the day that my film comes up, I'm going to do the thing that I want to do the most. And that's to be with the people that I love, to be with my friends and all that. And not sit there and brood about the mistakes I made. I know the mistakes I made. <laughs> and I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow as a human being. And, and that's it, you know? So, uh, so you don't have uh, – so you don't – your films, you don't ever do test audience then? I wish I did. I wish I – you know, but we, we don't. Like the film budgets we made it for – um, are a tenth of the, um, you know, a tenth of the time, a tenth of the resources and budget than, you know, the great horror filmmakers out there have. Like, we don't have that. And especially now during COVID, we have even less. So in order to thrive, we either have to be, we have to do things better for faster and cheaper, or we you know, crash and burn. <laughs> that that's awesome. So now, do you um, do you uh, find yourself like when you're uh, when you come up with an idea, um, how long do you uh, do you plan on uh, to sit sitting out and writing a movie? Uh, do you like you like block yourself away from everybody for like two weeks or a month or how do you uh, how do you do that process? Um, I always have ideas, um, so it's not like a 
once I have one idea, I fixate on it. When I have an idea, I usually write it down, and then I'll think about it. Uh, right now on my phone, I think, well, the last time I checked, I had about 640 um, different ideas that I write down. And once in a while, I just go through them. And if it feels right during this time to write it, or if a distributor says, hey, Perry, I need an action movie, or I need a sci-fi movie, or I need this, or I need that, then sure, you know, I'll go through my list. And I was like, I remember I had that idea. And then I'll go and I'll actually write it. But there's no, like, one moment where I get an idea and I just tell everybody, F off and, you know, go write it. It doesn't happen that way. It's usually when I get an idea, I write it down, and I just kind of, I let it go. I just let the universe, like, if the universe thinks it's a great idea, it's going to come back to me one day. And when it comes back to me, I will do my due diligence and perform as an artist. But until then, um, I'm not that creepy stalker. But if an idea was a girlfriend, I'm not going to keep pushing, 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 (laughs) you know? It's almost like, we'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. And when it comes, God damn it, I will put my full attention to it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, But I'll tell you right now, 640 ideas right now, I, I'm not in any shortage of like, oh my God, I need an idea for a film. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm okay on that part. It's just a matter of like, hey, what do people want to watch right now? What makes them feel entertained? And if somebody calls me and says, hey, we got to make this film, I'm ready. I think, you know, success is basically, you know, um, opportunity meets preparedness. And so I can fulfill that preparedness part of it. But somebody gives me the opportunity and it all comes together. And I'm prepared for it. Now, is there anybody, uh, and I, I, I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but sure. is there any actors that you'd like to work with that you like to have in your films that uh, you've always wanted to work with besides me? <laughs> Wait a minute. We went from extra to actor. I see what you're doing. <laughs> no, um, I think... Well, okay, he so does that. Ask. Next, he's going to ask to co-direct with you. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I think for me as an artist, what's more important than, say, an actor? Um, you know, actors are my colleagues. They are my um, – the, the, the people I collaborate with the most. I talk to them so much. But I think that we won't even have this conversation if we don't – if us artists, we don't have our muses, we need our muses, you know. Um, I think my muse is my most important thing in my life. And, like, I would love, I, I, I do have actors I want to work with. Um, but I wouldn't be able to be in that position without having a muse. Somebody that inspires you, somebody that pushes you to be a better person. So, to me, I think that's more important, actually, than... Like oh, I want to work with this actor, kind of thing. Well, you know, uh, you know, it, it had to been cool though to work with Faye Dunaway, though. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I've been blessed, 
for uh, I I consider myself youngin because you know both fade on the way John Voight they've all caught me like kiddo you know but I think what was great was they trusted me they trusted me they heard my vision they saw me work and they were ready to go full out you know for me uh, I think fade on the way's only complaint was that um, I can be like when it comes to like you know specifics on the acting, I can be too pushy sometimes. I like I need this done this way, this way, this way, <laughs> and I was like, wait, it's only for this film. Don't worry about it. I still love you. <laughs> but I ended up helping her with uh, her storyboard on one of her films. I don't know if that film ever came about, but you know, after our ADR for Gene Generation, our voiceover session, she asked me to look at some of the storyboards and just kind of help her visually on it so that was nice that she trusted me on that you know and I was very uh, grateful for it uh, Perry Teo's our guest here we got about uh, 18 minutes here left with Perry but you know you mentioned uh, John Voight uh, what's it like yeah. working with John Voight uh, John is um, probably one of the most nicest and most annoying uh, figure I've been with because he's nice in a sense that he's always been there for me but he's always annoying because he sees me you know on set he always like when we are on camera he respects me as a director but when we're off camera he treats me as a little kid like because I don't eat when I'm shooting a movie and he's always like you come here, kiddo. You better eat this, blah, blah, blah. Like, eat this salmon right now. You're like, you haven't been eating. You're just going crazy. And I'm kind of like, man, I feel like my dad's here. You know, I feel like my mom's here. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that at the same time. I love well, it, actually. You know, so I, I'm just kind of curious. So uh, so every once in a while, Bud Kilmer, Bud Kilmer will come out? Oh, I wish. <laughs> Iceman? That would be great. <laughs> what do you know about uh, Kilmer as? To me, he's Iceman. Oh, are you Duck <laughs> Holiday? Are you a Duck Holiday guy or an Iceman guy? Right, exactly. Uh, you know, because I've heard uh, I've heard he's an awesome. Um, I've heard he's he's awesome to be on the set with. I I've heard that you know, and uh, that's really cool. Uh, so now you have all these uh, you have all these ideas, and uh, mm-hmm. you eventually want to put all these ideas uh, into film. Is there any um, is there any idea that you've had in the past that you like wanted to like really do, and then you like put it off in the back burner, and like at this point now you're like going, "Geez, I got to go back and do that." Uh, no, I kind of let it go, and I trust the universe. That's I trust awesome. the universe to, to let me know when the right time is for something. Like, you know, I trust the universe to know when it's the right time for me to, like, meet the right person. I trust the universe to know when it's the right time for me to do something. And I can tell you right now, it's never felt me. Like, there's no reason for me absolutely not to trust it. I just have to give faith in it. Um, I just have to do what I love, which is to explore creative ideas and all that and um, if the universe says you know what this is something that needs to be done 
it will happen. And like I'm, I'm a big believer of you know universe energy and all that quantum physics mechanics, whatever you want to call it, God or you know people have different ways of saying it. Um, but it's never felt me before. So I don't stick to one. I don't obsess over something. But when it comes, I give my full attention to it. Uh, Perry Tay is our guest here. We have, uh, uh, unfortunately, we only have about uh, 15 minutes from here left uh, with uh, our buddy here. And, you know, I, I, I know you probably don't want to let the cat out of the bag right now, but um, <laughs> could you, could you uh, kind of, like, give us a uh, – a uh, kind of like a hint on what uh, your next film might be, or it might be about, uh, and uh, what role you're going to have me play. Um, you can play a Nazi if you want. That's the next film I want to do. <laughs> uh oh! All of a sudden, it's not so enticing. <laughs> hey man, I um, look. I, I've I've seen Hogan's Heroes. I could play no, you know. Hogan's Heroes is a lot different from Nazis, FYI. <laughs> but I, no, I, I, I think that there are a lot of things that happened in World War II. Um, you remember how we were talking about the whole COVID thing? And we were like, um, during times of distress, during times of like tur- you know, turbulent times, you know, there are, um, you know, good things do happen during those times. And I think one of the great things that happened in World War II was the fact that because of those turbulent times, uh, women were given a chance to rise and shine. Before that, you know, women were not looked upon as the warriors, the fighters and all that. During World War II, whether you're talking about America, Russia, you know, or whatever, Germany was a little different during that time. Germany felt women were more like you know, childbearers. Uh, but in Russia and in America, it was like different. Like women were in the front lines, like Russian snipers, female snipers, and all that. Um, they were all of a sudden heralded as amazing, amazing soldiers. And I think that World War Two created that. And my next project, I really want to kind of push that the idea that it's the quiet people. You know, the women that were not noticed during that time, they really stood out and played a game. I think that's badass, you know, and I I just want to do something about it. It's like, um, I want to make, um, I, I, I want to show how World War II changed it for females and how they were, uh, they stood up to their roles and they were badass and they were the unspoken heroes of that era. And that's kind of my next project that I want to do. It's different. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what. You know, Granny Hulkster might be perfect for that. Who? Granny Hulkster. All right, our, Granny, you've been quiet. Well, well Granny has been quiet, so I'll let I've you hear. Listening, guys. <laughs> Granny so, is uh, currently. Granny is uh, currently writing her uh, her speech for uh, her uh, the Moose Lodge. Uh, she's going to be uh, accepted as uh, member of the year, and she's writing her acceptance speech for that right now. Get out. 
Yeah. Oh, she, you know, Granny I'm done telling stories. Granny, why don't you tell me your story? This sounds My amazing. My story? What yeah. would you like to know? Everything. Well, I'm a big, huge wrestling fan, and that's how I got my gimmick name of Granny Holster because I like to holler at the bad guys. I don't like the heels. And I can talk some pretty good smack to them when I have to. Okay. Well, that's, I've, had, you know. I've had dinner with people like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Tommy Dreamer. I know the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I've met a lot of big-time stars over the years in wrestling, and um, I just I love the sport. I, I love going to independent shows. I love my friend does wrestling shows over in Oklahoma for kids that fight childhood cancer. I'm part of that organization. I've been helping with that for the past nine years. I belong to the to Moose Lodge. Uh, I just recently served as deputy grand regent for this past year for the state of Arkansas, which meant that I had to preside over the women's meetings at our state conventions in Little Rock, Arkansas. I actually live in Arkansas. So what do you want to do next then? What What do I want to do? I don't know. I mean, you know, if I, I never thought of ever being part of a movie, but, you know, I thought that would be fun if I had the opportunity. I mean, the church that my husband and I used to go to, we were part of a a movie, you might say, that they did during Easter time. They took uh, the people that sang in the choir and they did this little movie type thing about like um, – like if Jesus had been in a courtroom, you know, being, you know, like, you know, people not wanting to accept Jesus in their lives and stuff like that. And we did, we were part of that movie where he was like in a a courtroom type setting, which was pretty awesome. Well, I think that in my belief anyway, I always have this barometer that I go by with. And I think... You know, whether you're talking about God, the universe, or whatever it is, one of your barometer is the, the the key to everything in life is to me happiness. You know, and if you feel happy doing one thing, just keep doing it because that's where the universe wants you to go. I think happiness is the end game to anything. Like if you tell me you want to do something, you know, whether it's icon thing, like I want to be in a movie, or you or anybody. In the end, I can go, why, why, why? And the final answer will always be happiness. It cannot go further beyond that. Well, back in 2004, after I lost my dad, I ended up in the hospital with two blood clots in my right leg, and one of the clots went to my lung while I was in the hospital. And they told me if I had not come to the emergency room the night that I did, I would have ended up dying. Wow. But God has planned for me. I mean, you know, at that time, I really didn't know what my plan was in my life. And that was before I started helping with wrestling, way before I started helping with wrestling for a cause and way before I ever became Granny Hulkster in the in the independent wrestling world, in the professional wrestling world. And I'm not a wrestler, by the way. I just, I mean, I've been threatened to have been thrown in the ring a few times. But, you know. but, <laughs> hey, but, but she can make a mean batch of cookies. 
Well, I can do that. Now, just for okay. example of, of just some of the things that I do to the wrestlers, because they always sit down, they always tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip. I had one wrestler one night tell me, Granny, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? And I grabbed my keys out of my purse, and I doubled up my fist with those keys, and I said to that wrestler, I said, baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building, and he ran off screaming. That's a great story. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, that's, just uh, one of, that's just one of many. I mean, I've been handcuffed to managers at wrestling shows. I mean, you know. I just do a little bit of everything when I go to my wrestling shows that I help with. You uh, should do more of that. You should just tell me more of these stories. Like these are all great stories I can write. <laughs> well, um, Tommy Dreamer, well, hope, the last. Well, re, oh, we, well, we may here, not have uh, a lot of time, but. Yeah, uh, Perry Tate is our guest here. We got about uh, 13 minutes here with Perry. Um, uh, see, here's the thing, Perry. Now this uh, this leads us into. Uh, you know, now that you got got a little insight into Granny, now we're hoping that in 2021 uh, we can uh, we can uh, get you uh, uh, back on with us. I, I I would love it. I think we're having great conversations now. Like you know, we 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 need to have it over a barbecue though. I, I'm I'm a fanatic with barbecues. I think that barbecues are the staple of, you know, hanging out. And I and I feel that that's what this conversation is, hanging out. Well, uh, you know, and uh I uh like I say I would uh I would do like I say I would do anything to be part of your next film. Uh, you know Well you come um, down right in Los Angeles. <laughs> I will I would come down there if you can uh get me uh some some cool honest pay. Uh, you know, uh, right. maybe a couple hot, maybe a couple hot dogs, uh, and I'll carry. They'll even bags, carry your bags for you. It'll be great. And I'll go get you, your cap. You, you know what they say: the devil's advocate, right? Money does the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'd wait. I'd wait for the money, but you know, uh, I'll, I'll still carry your bag and get you your cappuccino. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, you'll never have to do that with me. Yeah, for me, or you it's can say, like the the, the I can't give me another shot of vodka. Is, yeah, the best I ask from people is to just hang out and be yourself around me. That's you know, that's really what I want. That's um, I love to see the sincerity of people, and 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 I think that's a reason why I love, you know, drinking with people around me. And that was the thing. Well, my you know, you, you can ask uh, you me. can ask Big Swing. What it's like to hang out with me and uh, how popular I am. Well, I don't care about popularity, but you know what my father oh. always told me: a drunk mind speaks a sober tongue. And well, that's know, why I people, love hanging out with people. people. People learn stuff when I drink, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's the best part about it. They know who you are. They know like the real you, and that's kind of what I love about. You know, hanging yeah. out people, like, whether it's at my porch or whether it's at their porch. Like, you know, my best friend, Karina, who lives in the mountains with me. I love hanging out with her because it's like, you know, you're, you're just sitting there and we're all just being us. And there's no, like, 
um, how do I say, vendetta goals. And, and, and that's what I love about being with people because these people are personalities too. And these personalities somehow integrate into my work, whether it's my writing or my directing or talking to actors and saying, you know, this is kind of what I want because, well, I love those people and I want those people to be immortalized on screen. That's awesome. So, uh, Curry Tate is our guest here. We got, uh, uh, we got about uh, three minutes here left with uh, Perry. You know, and uh, we do uh, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be with us tonight, and we're definitely going to have Absolutely. you back. Absolutely. But real, real quick so we can do this, if our fans wanted to check you out and see what you're doing, uh, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe, what do you got? Um, I've only got one Facebook, but I locked it to only like to a certain number of people. Um, like me. I, I, I'm just not big. Yeah. Like you, you know, I'm just not big in the whole promote yourself. Like, look what I'm doing. Ha ha ha. Kind of thing. It's like, I'm just Perry, <laughs> you know? So like, there's no Instagram, there's no Twitter, there's no nothing. It's, um, it's just me on Facebook, uh, Perry Teo. And that's it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just never been that person that's like trying to promote my work all the time. The only reason I'm here with you guys is you guys promised me like a quote unquote hangout kind of thing, and I love that. You know, I love hanging out with people. I love being with real people, and that's what I want, <laughs> and I'm getting it. Well. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, we, uh, Perry, you know, I love you, and I am a big fan of yours, and like I say, I do I, I, I do uh, celebrate the entire catalog, and uh, we are going to have you back on again. Uh, I will uh, be in contact with you uh, so we can uh, sure. chat and hang out, and, and I'll tell you what, I could teach you how to cook some mean steak on a George Foreman grill. I'll, I'll, I'll buy a George Foreman grill for that. Oh, I there ain't one, no, but there ain't it, no one that know. can make steak on a George Foreman grill like the Icon can. Oh, yeah? But isn't the George Foreman grill, like, all the grease just gets out of it? Don't you want to <laughs> grease the oil, the unhealthy shit? <laughs> well, oh, that's the best part. Uh, I, Icon, we do have the 423 well, number on, though. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Perry, our, our next guest is okay. on. Uh, I appreciate Absolutely. you taking time out of your schedule. I appreciate it so much. And then any autographs or stuff you can send us, we'd appreciate it. And you are going to work that out. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And I will be in contact with you after this. Thank you for having me on. And I'll be in contact with you and I will will, uh, chat with you. uh, I will chat with you this weekend. Yeah, and whoever's listening, um, I just want to say this. Like, you guys have been amazing. It just feels like, you know, hanging out. And I think that that's what's special about it. So I am happy and I am honored to be another guest again. Awesome. And we will definitely have you back on. Thanks, Perry. All right, guys. You guys have a great night. I'll see you guys later, okay? Awesome. Thanks. Perry Tail, ladies and gentlemen, the best director (laughs) in Hollywood today, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, I, like you said, our uh, our next guest is on. So uh, I will – if uh, we're ready, I will uh, go ahead and uh, introduce him after you put him on. And yep, uh, we'll go, go from ahead. there. All right, yep, ladies yep. and gentlemen, 
stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. About to step in the ring right now, brother. And he's going to tell us all about the happenings, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our brother. He is Brendan Savage. Oh, yeah. Hey, this is Brendan Savage. You're listening to the edit. Era live with host Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Holster. Yeah, dig it. <laughs> hey, Brandon, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, Brandon Savage is our guest here. We got uh, 39 minutes here with Brandon. We're going to have some fun with you. Uh, the first thing, uh, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you you have kind of an interesting career kind of tell us a little bit about what your career is uh well uh my passion is uh doing a macho man randy savage impersonation uh it's not quite a career yet we'll say that but uh, it started out you know as a halloween costume years ago that has uh grown and this uh, crazy thing that people love, and I love doing it, and making people smile and bringing back memories of the childhood of watching Macho Man on Saturday, you know, as a child, and hearing their stories, and uh, then uh, I love being a part of it. Now, um, you uh, have... Uh done uh you've kind of taken the impersonation note to the next level haven't you well i try to do the best of my ability yeah (laughs) we uh try to get the clothes right the uh look right try to source everything that i wear to what randy wore now have you uh uh, uh, Brandon Savage is our guest here. I'm going to ask you a few more questions. I'm going to kind of go around the round table. Uh, now, you uh, ha- have you uh, actually uh, hooked up with uh, any of uh, the those that designed his uh, his uh, outfits or not? Uh, yeah, that's crazy you ask. There's one guy. His name is Michael Braun. He uh, he started out making clothes. His first big break, I guess, was for Jimi Hendrix, and he made clothes for Jimi, um, Sonny and Cher, Bob Dylan, Bon Jovi, all kinds of old rock and roll people, and he uh, made clothes for Hulk Hogan when he was in a band in Florida, and that's how Randy got hooked up with Michael Braun. So we uh, we contacted him. My wife contacted him on Facebook and she, you know sent a picture and told him what I do and all that. And he contacted us back and gave us his phone number and told us to call him anytime. And he'll tell us Randy Savage uh, stories. And so we've been talking to him on and off for two years. And uh, actually went to visit him at his house in Tampa and uh, he had all these amazing pieces of 
clothing and stuff that he had made for Randy, and I guess Randy had never never got him. So, yeah, uh, he's told me how he made the clothes. I can call him up anytime and be like, Michael, hey, I've got a problem. This this spandex is crawling up. What do I do? And he's like, just turn it on a 90 and cut it again. And so, uh, yeah, it's been an amazing asset. That's awesome. And you said you found him on Facebook, huh? Yeah, he still he does artwork now. He does digital artwork and uh, promotes his is that, artwork. Uh, is that Braun, B-R-A-U-N? Yes, Michael Braun. I think it's Michael Braun Art on Facebook. All right. Oh, yeah, I'll have to check him out. He's, uh, uh, I think, almost 80 years old now, and he made clothes for Hogan, Lex Luger, uh, Ultimate Warrior, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, just tons of wrestlers. I mean, you can always pick his clothes out because there's a lot of fringe and flashiness, you know. And uh, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of go around the room here a little bit, uh, and then we're going to come back to me, and I'm going to ask you the tough questions. But uh, I'm going to bring out Grady Hulkster. Uh, you know, you mentioned Hulk Hogan. Uh, so we're going to bring out Grady Hulkster. We have for our guest, Brandon Savage. Uh, we have uh, exactly 34 minutes. 34 minutes. Well, I am a huge wrestling fan of the sport. I'm not a wrestler, even though, you know, my wrestling friends have started to throw me in the ring a few times, especially the bad guys, because Granny does not like the heels. I can talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. That's what I am very well known for. I have a shirt. This is what you're going to do when Granny Hulkster goes crazy on you. And I wear that to a lot of independent wrestling shows that I go to. And I love Macho Man Randy Savage. He was one of my favorite wrestlers back in the day. I mean, him and Miss Elizabeth, I've gotten to meet Randy Savage's brother, Lanny Poffo, several years ago. What was it like to portray Randy Savage in the dark side of the ring? Oh, it was just amazing. It was amazing. You know, at the time, Dark Side of the Ring hadn't aired yet, you know, so we did you know, there's T V shows that are filmed and never make it to air, you know. And we were just hoping it would be it would be something, you know. And uh but it was just amazing to be in a studio. They flew us to Canada, Toronto, where they filmed it. I'm from uh Chattanooga, Tennessee. So they filmed uh, in Toronto, and it was just amazing to be there. And it's surreal playing this guy that I grew up watching as a kid. And here I am portraying in a major TV show. You know, it's just uh, it's a highlight of my life, you know. I bet. I bet that was absolutely amazing for you. I have a lot of wrestler wrestling friends that still wrestle down in the Tennessee area, kind of all over Tennessee. And so, you know, uh, we'll we'll bring bring, bring Swing on here uh, if he's uh, listening. If he's got any questions, then uh, I have. Uh, I'm going to continue a little uh, uh, 
if we can, uh, continue on the dark side of the ring. But uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest? We have Brandon Savage with us. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the you know Randy Savage was a little bit, um, little bit, a little bit before my time. I mean, I got I got to see you know the tail end of of his career, but uh, obviously having met him a couple times, my aunt knows Hulk Hogan personally. Um, so obviously they trained a lot down in Florida in the same areas. Uh, so I've met him before, but um, for for Randy uh, Randy Savage, what was your I guess what was your favorite? You said growing up watching him. What what was your favorite uh, Randy Savage moment or I guess persona? Uh, I know they turned him heel a couple times. They had him uh, linked him up with Gorgeous George back in '99. They had him be the you know the superhero kind of a figure. I mean, which which uh, Randy Savage was your favorite? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, you know, early in his career, he was heel. And he became so popular that, you know, they turned him face. And, yep, yep. Uh, I really, you know, maybe that early heel uh, era. Okay. Was, it was were, you, were you disappointed when he, when, he turned, when he went NWO? Oh, no. No, uh, no? NWO okay. was such a, it was, NWO was such a phenomenon back in the day. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, even – Wrestling fans didn't know what, or even wrestling fans knew, or non-wrestling fans, I'm sorry, had heard or seen NWO as such a, a huge phenomenon. I knew what it was um, about, yeah. Okay. Everybody's wearing Wolfpack shirts or NWO shirts, and they're doing the too sweet hand thing, you know, everywhere. So, no, I wasn't disappointed. My favorite Randy Savage, because I'm assuming you had to study a lot of his uh, – promos and his mannerisms and things and one of my favorites going back to watch it now i, I wish i had the soundbite clip on here but it, it wasn't it wasn't uploading uh was the the cream of the crop one he did with um mean gene yeah i believe that was yeah. in 94 and yeah when you would portray him i mean now did did they kind of let you do your own thing or did you have to learn and memorize some of his his you know, his lines, because obviously you're playing a documentary. No, because since there was no, no speaking roles, okay. you know, it was just, a, it was just recreation of scenes that matches and, uh, and some things he did. Okay. And then the um, wrestlers, you know, that knew him were talking about telling his stories. So uh, okay. it was Now, did you ever get to meet Randy? No, unfortunately, I never did. Um, but I have met Lanny several times. I did a show or mm-hmm. two with him, and um, he's super supportive, loves it. Um, he'll give advice. He tells stories, you know, yeah, about yeah. him and Randy. So, uh, now, did, no, did, did they reach out to you, or did you uh, have to go audition for this part? No, it was uh, 2018 WrestleMania 34. Uh-huh. My wife suggested that because this all started in 2015 as a Halloween costume. My daughter, she was 10 at the time. She was like, she wanted the whole family to dress up for Halloween. So I was trying to think of something, and I was like, you know what? Randy had these crazy, uh, iconic costumes or clothes. 
and I was like, I'll do Randy. So I, I grew my beard out. I didn't usually wear a beard. And uh, we threw together this really crappy costume and went out on Halloween, and everybody was going nuts. You know, and you're on, oh, yeah, I'm snapping to Slim Jim, yeah, you know. And uh, so the next year we did it again, but a better costume, and I won costume contest, and the next year. So it became a thing and started going to conventions and dressed up as Randy, and, you know, everybody goes crazy, and they want a picture. So we decided, or my wife suggested that, Let's go to WrestleMania. It's in New Orleans. And uh, so we went down, and I'm walking around before the show, walking around the Superdome, taking pictures with people and, you know, you know yelling, oh, yeah. And so there's this guy. He came up, and he wanted a video, and that wasn't nothing out of the ordinary. And so we took a video, and, like, two weeks later, I get a email and it's from Vossland, and they're asking if I would want to participate in this docu-series that they're making about wrestlers and portray Randy. So what it was was the director, Jason Eisner, that was him at the WrestleMania that got the video of me. He saw me, and he, you know, they were looking, actively looking for a macho man look-alike or whatever for the show and he saw me and then they found me on social media sent me an email and uh i was like of course i was like oh yeah you know and and, uh accepted it and it went from there it's uh it's really a crazy story well let me ask you this though when you got that email and they asked you if you wanted to do this were you like Oh yeah, right. This has got to be some kind of joke. Who's pulling my leg? Did did that even cross your mind? Uh, kinda. But I looked at you know they had all this official Vice Land, and I knew what Vice Land was at the time. And the uh, it was the producer of the show, Evan Husney, that had sent the email. You know, you Google Evan Husney, he comes right up. He does all kinds of. Uh, docuseries type stuff and I was like this is kind of legit I said, told my wife I was like we got to do this and um, so I was like, of course yeah and you know at the time Dark Side of the Main had never come out and you know like I said we didn't know if it was going to actually air or not and we were just on pins and needles for months until they after we filmed until they officially announced Dark Side of the Ring, you know, premieres whenever, and uh, they told me I was going to be on uh, episode one, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. It's just, I'm just a normal guy, you know. Uh, I've worked the same job for 24 years and just did this as a, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's just a thing that people love, so I did it, and it's kind of uh went from there. So, well, let me ask you this then. Uh, so, uh, when did you film it? It was in July of 18. Yeah. yeah it and it premiered when? Uh, it was April of 19. Yeah. So, so when did good. you, uh, when did, 
when did you find out uh, that it was going to air? I think two weeks before it aired. They, Evan, the producer, sent me a message on social media or something and said, uh, it's airing, you know, April whatever. And I was like, oh, no way. This is really happening. <laughs> and, uh, of course, then I went and told every, you know, all my friends and family and but yeah, it was a it was a good long seven months before you know between the time we filmed it and the time it aired that I was just like, let's hope this is happening, you know. So let me ask you this then, because uh, yeah, this is what I would have done uh, when you found out you was going to be on. Did you like go and tell all your, your teachers that you had in school that said that you wouldn't amount to anything? Say, hey, check this out. Here's the tape. <laughs> Uh, uh, did you like send out promo pictures to all your enemies, stuff like that? Uh, no, just mostly to my friends saying, you know, hey, look, I'm a big star now. Look at this, I'm gonna be on TV. <laughs> now, uh, we have a Brandon Savage here, we got 22 minutes. Now, now, you had to, you had to have a big watch party, didn't you? You invited everybody over, you start, you fired up the barbecue. And you made uh, you gave everybody a slim gym as they came through the door to watch your your premiere. <laughs> it's similar to that. Uh, you know, I failed on handing out slim gyms, but we had a watch party at a local restaurant here in town, and uh, had all my friends and coworkers and family come, and we had a big projector that you know projected it up on its huge screen and. Because, you know, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what made it on the show. I didn't know anything. You know, they're, you know, of course, I'm just a, an actor in the show. They're not going to keep me up to date. So uh, I watched for the first time with everybody else, and uh, I, was, I was very happy with what what they made. They made a beautiful product. How many and how many days did you? How many days were you there to film? Uh, they flew us in on a Friday. We filmed for eleven hours a day on Saturday and Sunday, and I flew home on Monday. And uh, you, um, and at the time, like you said, when you filmed it, you didn't know how it was going to be perceived or not. But uh, you, um, uh, you had to have some feelings on how you thought it went, right? Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was real. It was, I mean, when I'm there, it's like super legit. We're at a, a studio, you know, there's art departments and there's costumes and there's lighting and all that. And I was like, I was telling my wife, I was like, this is, this is really legit. Like, you know, this really could be something. And, um, but you never know what it looks like through the camera, you know, when you're there in the studio. And I say that like I've done this a thousand times. <laughs> but, um, you know, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know anything like that. But um, it did seem, you know, like, hey, these guys know what they're doing, and this is this could really be something. Uh, Brandon Savage, our guest here. We got about uh, twenty minutes here left, Brandon. So, you know, you, you mentioned this started out as a as a as a Halloween costume uh, thing, and uh, 
let me ask you this. At the time when you first uh, dressed up and did it, did you think that it was going to take you to where it did? Oh, absolutely not. No, I just did it on a whim, you know, and because I liked Macho and the you know, crazy clothes he wore. And so once I went out in public dressed up like that, and I mean, like anybody under, what, 25 maybe, you know, recognized Macho Man and you know, when I first put the costume on, I'm like, wow, you know, really maybe kind of look like him. And when I went out in public and people reacted so strongly and I was like, well, this is crazy. You know, let's do this bigger and better next year. And then the next year, you know, we did it. And, you know, like I said, I won the costume contest. And then we had friends that lived in Atlanta that go to uh, Dragon Con, which is, you know, a huge you know, pop culture convention. So they talked us into coming down, you know, because they like to dress up and go to Dragon Con. <clears throat> and so we went, and, I mean, everywhere I went, people were just macho, man, like, oh, yeah, and they want their picture. You know, it'd take what would be normally a five-minute walk would take 45 minutes, you know, because I'm stopping and taking pictures, and there's crowd. And that's – it was – you know, we knew it was something special, and it connected with people, and they they have a feeling, you know, when they see this guy looks like Macho Man, you know, that it brings them back to their childhood, or, you know, seeing commercials on TV, you know, or Slim Jims, and it's a, uh, it, it took, it took a little while to realize it is something, but that first well, night, we could tell there was something to. Well, you know, Brandon, the, the cool thing is, you know, I mean, you're actually the second uh, guest that we've had on this appeared in Dark Side of the Ring. We also had uh, Chris Benoit's son on with us. Um, oh, yes. And uh, you know, it was uh, just a powerful interview, and you're awesome. We still got 70 minutes with you. We're not going to let you off the hook yet. Because there, there's one thing I, I, I got to ask you about, I've been dying to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your link to the Dukes of Hazard. My what? Your link to the Dukes of Hazard. My link to the. I went to the Hazard Fest uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. How was that? <laughs> oh, it was amazing. It was the first convention I got to go to this year. Well, I guess the only one since, you know, the whole virus stuff. But um, there's a guy, uh, Jason Maples, had contacted me about coming to a convention as a guest earlier in the year that it got canceled. So I saw that he was um, having wrestler guests at Hazard Fest that was just like a two-hour drive away from here. So I messaged him. I was like, Jason, um, you got something to do with this convention? And he's like, yeah. I was like, oh, you think you could, you know, get me in? He's like, yeah. We, you know, you're in. Come on up. And uh, so, you know, we get there. There's Ricky the, 
Dragon Steamboat, Sergeant Slaughter, Ted DiBiase there, and uh, I get to sit at a table, you know, like one table down from all these guys that I grew up watching and uh, meeting people. They come up, you know, there's people that knew me from Dark Side of the Ring. There's people that just knew Macho Man and they wanted a picture. And uh, I have a a co-worker, <clears throat> sorry, that he uh, he retired, you know, so he's, you know, 65 plus, that looks just like Jesse uh, Duke. He was there, and uh, it was just an awesome time, you know. It was a, it, you know, after this whole long um, quarantine, people were, I guess, eager to get out and you know, do something outside and with people that is a great time. John Renke from um, Tiger King, if you uh, surely yelled much, Tiger King, uh, the guy that was the the manager of the zoo that had no legs, he was there. And I got to, they were filming new season of Tiger King and there's Netflix cameras there. And so I got to do a little promo about free Joe Exotic and as Macho Man and all that. So it might be on season two of Tiger King. I don't know. That's awesome. But, um, uh, Hazard, Fe- Hazard Fest was, it was just uh, it was a great time. And I think the timing with everybody being cooped up in their homes for, what, seven months, it, uh, it, it it was really great time. Now there's a lot of uh a lot of former cast members there though, correct? <clears throat> oh no, and not a, no not at Hazard Fest. Most of the people from Dark Side of the Ring were um local actors from Toronto. No no and there, there were a lot of uh no, at, at Duke's Fest. Oh, oh, of, uh, yeah, there's John Schneider was there and several other. Um, several, we've had several, uh, we've had uh, we've had Brian uh, Byron Cherry on as our uh, guest here as well. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now uh, there's there's something I got to ask you about, uh, and uh, um, I, I am a fan of yours, and I'll tell you, and I can prove it. I love you on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of a listen, so I'm a real introvert. Like I don't have a personal Facebook. I don't post pictures of myself or anything like that. So all this social media is foreign to me, you know. And so the whole quarantine thing happened and you know, TikTok is blowing up. And I was like, I really need to do TikTok videos. And so there was one day I was home alone, and I bought a ring light, you know, and all that stuff. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to do some a TikTok video. And so I, I was a huge fan, you know, as you hear of Tiger King. So I did the uh, Carol Baskin song from my TikTok, my very first one. And a couple hours later, I was like, I got to do 
I'm a savage. You know, the whole Macho Man Randy Savage thing. So I did the I'm a savage video and it just blew up. And uh, so it just kind of went from there and I really, you know, honestly, I need to post more on TikTok. I need to make more content, and I'm pledging now to make some more content for TikTok. Well, you know, one thing I, uh, you know, and uh, this may sound, you know, this is a wrestling term. It's called putting myself over. But one thing I hope you will post is that you'll post that card I made of you. Uh, yeah, that was good. That was really good. I just showed my wife a, a little while ago. I was like, look, this is pretty uh, legit uh, card here. And, uh, you know, the the cool thing is about the TikTok video you did is uh, you and I both have that Randy Savage lunchbox. Uh, yes, the Slim Jim lunchbox. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Did you, uh, did you get yours with the Slim Jims in it, or did you get it empty when you got it? Uh, no, I got it just maybe six months ago. There's a coworker, you know, they all know I do this whole thing. And uh, he said, I've got, he, I think he worked at a grocery store years ago, and they had, it was a display for Slim Jims. And yep. uh, he, he got it, like, from the store right then. I don't think they even used it. And, uh, he told me about it one day, and I was like, hey, I'll buy that from you. So I bought it, and uh, I display it proudly. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I, I know this is the interview, but we have uh, we have Brandon Savage. we got nine minutes. But I'll, I'll tell you a quick story on how I got mine. Uh, mm-hmm. I got it actually in 97 uh, at uh, when I uh, went to college. Uh, yes, I actually got myself into college twice. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, the uh, the C store for uh, us college students, they had they had the lunchbox there, and it was filled with uh, you know swim gyms uh, with the size of that. I don't even think they make that size anymore that actually fit in there perfectly. And I yeah, said, can I have that? Can I have that lunchbox? Excuse me. And uh, she said yes. And I said, cool, great. What do I need to do? She said, you need to borrow the Slim Jims that are in the lunchbox to get that. Really? <laughs> okay. So, uh, September, I bought 100 Slim Jims. And no. uh, by, the end of my, by the end of the school year in uh, March, I had all the – I had ate enough Slim Jims to last me a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> That's some real commitment right there, brother. I uh, I like that. Right, and uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, right now they have um, they have a they have a um, uh, a mega macho swim gym. Uh, I I don't know it's like uh, I don't know it's like I don't know maybe two two and a half three feet long something like that. And it's got Macho Man's picture in there in uh, the the purple shirt, uh, and yeah. it's uh, the mega swim. Uh, and they check out, yeah. It. yeah, check out my uh, TikTok. I made a Slim Jim sandwich with the Slavage Slim Jim. That's awesome. Yeah, so, you have to check that out. Now, uh, let's say that someone um, 
wanted uh, to uh, have you do an appearance as uh, as the Macho Man impersonator. Do you do you do that, or do you kind of keep that on the low key now, or are you uh, yeah, full on with it? No, uh, they can always contact me at mmbrandonsavage uh, at gmail dot com or anywhere on social media. I'm you know mmbrandonsavage on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, mmbsavage on Facebook. So yeah, no, I'll I mean I've made appearances at indie shows, at conventions. I've just went on my own, you know, just to do at house show, you know, WWE house shows that are local. So, yeah. So, so has, let me ask you this then, has, has the WWE called on you to make any appearances? No, not yet. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's probably a, a touchy subject with them and their PR, you know, like, there's this past wrestler, you know. I don't know if they ever would, but if they do, I'll definitely answer the call. I, you know, I, I think I think it'd be really awesome if you did, you know, because uh, I mean, we love what you do, and uh, you know, you're uh, you're bringing honor to Randy Savage. You're you're keeping his memory uh, alive, you know, which yeah. is awesome, you know, I and. I, I think that we cover this, but uh, I'll kind of give you mine, and then uh, I'll ask yours. You know, my all-time uh, favorite uh, Randy uh, uh, Savage match, there's actually two of them. Uh, with him at uh, – um, him and Alternate Warrior at WrestleMania 7. Yeah. And, and uh, the match that he had against Ric Flair where he won the title – I believe it was WrestleMania eight or nine. Yeah, um, I think it was eight. And uh, and to be honest with you, I don't know how you felt about it, but I was real sad when he left the WWE to go to WCW. But the I I became happy again because I was able to see him wrestle again instead of just have him being an announcer, you know. Um, right. What was your thought on that? Do you have a favorite uh, Randy Savage match? You know, it's very stereo- stereotypical. The WrestleMania Seven, I cry every time I watch that uh, match with him and Elizabeth. You know, he loses and uh, with Ultimate Warrior, and you know Elizabeth comes out, and and then you know, I mean, the WrestleMania Three with Steamboat was just such a work of art that um, you know and Steamboat told me that they practiced it for like I can't remember two or three days is a, is a while before they practiced it several times because uh, I'm sure you know Randy he was uh, very particular and he wrote that whole match out you know move by move and had notebook papers of each move, you know, each step, and, and uh, it was just a, it was a really work of art. So WrestleMania three, WrestleMania seven, really do um, to me. You know, and uh, you know, I, also up there would have to be uh, uh, WrestleMania five uh, with the Mega Powers. Uh, you know, yeah, that uh, you know, Randy Savage was just a. Uh, 
was just a awesome uh, ring general, you know, and yeah. uh, you know we lost him, and I, I don't want to get emotional here, and I'm about to, but uh, you know when uh, when I found out that we lost him, you know, because of a heart attack, you know, it uh, um, it was very. Uh, there's only three wrestlers really that I. Um, I broke down and cried my eyes out when we lost. It was uh, Randy Savage, um, Roddy Piper, and the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, well, let, let's, uh, like I said, I don't want to get too choked up here. We got uh, we got three minutes, and this is not a this is not a cry session. This is a happy time. So, uh, so let me ask you this then: uh, When is your, uh, if you know it, when is your next appearance? Uh, that you might have coming up on the calendar, and if uh, uh, fans wanted to check you out, you got are you got any comic cons or has COVID kind of washed out your schedule for a while? Yeah, the COVID has really axed every um, appearance, so I don't have anything on the calendar right now. But um, but you know, as soon as you know, either I'm contacted or, you know, the whole thing is over. We'll get back to it, and um, I'll be up here and wherever somebody will have me. And they can see on my – people can watch on my social media uh, where I always, you know, announce I'll be here or there or whatever. So just, you know, they can watch my social media and um, – if you're close by, come see me. Brandon, I got a real quick question for you. You Go mentioned ahead. the name Jason Maples. Is yeah. that the Jason Maples that was the promoter for the Heroes and Legends show when he lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana? Uh, that is him. Okay. Well, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he was always inviting me to his events. You know, I live in Arkansas, you know, and I uh, I know he recently. I think he moved. Did he didn't he move to Tennessee? Him and his family moved to Tennessee pretty recently, not too long ago. Yeah, or? yeah he did. That's yeah. when I saw he was doing the hazard thing. The hazard thing. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I when Jason Maples, I thought, oh that must be Jason because I'm calling Jason Maples, but I had to go and said you know and it, you know I love the that what you did because you know it was interesting when you were talking about you know how the the filming went and everything i have a very good independent wrestling friend that lives near the Joplin area to be on the first season of um steve austin's broken school challenge and they flew oh, yeah. him out for you but it was gone for like almost 12 weeks and he could not tell his why was that? He could call her once in a while. Filming thing was so hush hush. They watch party. Um, he did a big watch party up at the Buffalo Wild Wings there in Joplin, and, and of course he didn't pass the first round. Unfortunately, I mean the guy that he was competing against you know, ended up beat. He said it was just so phenomenal for him. To get to do something like that and get to meet Stone Cold Steve Austin and just get to interact with him like he did. I mean, he said that was absolutely amazing for him. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. 
um, yeah, it's same Jason. Yeah, it's same Jason. Well, I thought so when you mentioned the name that name. <laughs> <laughs> it's been amazing to have you on our show tonight. By the way, I mean, I have so much enjoyed this interview. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, we have well, a brand new uh, savage. We, uh, we got about uh, four got minutes about, uh, left four of uh, radio uh, time uh, here. Radio time here. But, uh, but uh, uh, I want to let our fans uh, know that they have to check out our Facebook to find out who's coming on next week. I will let everybody know that it's going to be a laugh a minute. That's the little hint. So check that out. So it's going to be fun. But I'll tell you what, Brandon, you are amazing, you're awesome, and it's amazing how dressing up for Halloween uh, can propel a guy's career. I've been dressing up for Halloween, people just throw rocks at me. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for having me. And happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And we would love to have you on again if if you'll join us again at some point. Absolutely, yeah, just message me. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Thank you. All right. Brandon Savage, ladies and gentlemen. Snap into a Slim Jim, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, guys, yeah, that was really fun. That was uh, two yeah. great guests, two fun guys. We're and have, uh, We got a three-guest show next week, and we're going to have nice. uh, we're gonna have some fun. You have to check out our Facebook page, Off the Ropes. Uh, yep. The icon updates that usually Friday, Thursday or Friday, uh, to see who's coming on, and uh, it's going to be another blockbuster show. And uh, we got guests booked from now until uh, July, so we're not going anywhere. COVID is not going to stop us from doing what we're doing, and that's entertaining the fans week after week. Now we might not all three be on at the same time because we may have something else going on, uh, but hey. We're still going to be here. We're still going to do the show. We are not going away. There is nothing you can do about it. Oh, yeah. So we will see you guys next week. A happy Thanksgiving happy to everybody Thanksgiving, in everybody. advance. Hey. And, happy Thanksgiving uh, and, yeah. from the icon to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.